0: Thank you so much for listening. This is the real pineapple. This is your humble host, Hunter. Hope you're all having a great start to your new year, and we made it. To, we made it to 2022. Holy hell! Um, <laughs> can't believe we made it. But I'm sending nothing but good vibes, prayers, and energy to you and all your loved ones. Please stay safe out there uh, as we start a new year. I've got a review. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, and I've been I've been sitting on this review for that reason, because full spoilers, by the way, we are diving into Hawkeye, which is, of course, um, show ran by Jonathan uh, Igla. You know him from a couple things. He went ahead and uh, worked on Mad Men, uh, Sorry for Your Loss, which, of course, uh, starred uh, Elizabeth Olsen, which if you have not watched, Sorry for Your Loss, I highly recommend you do. And then uh, Bridgerton, of course, some people kind of like that show. But uh, I got to say... As we kind of dive in here, the film or the uh, the miniseries, of course, stars uh, Jeremy Renner uh, reprising his MCU roles. Clint Barton, you of course know him from Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, uh, the Born, uh, the Born Legacy, which you know he totally came back from more of those. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, uh, the big one that I always go to is Kill the Messenger uh, and Wind River. If you've not seen Kill the Messenger, Pause this and go watch Kill the Messenger. Kill the Messenger is absolutely wonderful. Uh, great double feature of American Made, by the way. But I digress. So, going into this show, I was really curious about a couple things because if you've listened to the podcast for any length of t- um, any length of time throughout. Uh, me talking about the MCU and everything. One of the big swings I took during our in game review, and I want to say it's around the two hour mark because that's a long freaking review. But one of the things I said is we're going to end up dealing with the fallout of Clint being Ronin because we kind of have to, considering he's going around, you know, slaughtering mob families and mobsters. And that's exactly what this show does in a admittedly a a, a different way than I thought they would, but... I still was stoked on the way they did it, but we go ahead and we jump in here uh, with Kate Bishop, who goes ahead and to start off the show, destroys this clock tower. Good job, kid. Uh, Kate Bishop, of course, played by Haley Steinfeld, you know, from the Pitch Perfect movies, uh, Edge of Seventeen, my favorite film of that year, and uh, Dickinson, which uh, I believe just actually ended. If you have not seen Dickinson go watch Dickinson. I know most people don't have uh, Apple TV except for when Tad lasso, uh, lasso is on, but go watch Dickinson. It's great shit, but um, her and her mom, they're living together in this incredible penthouse. Her mom, of course, played uh, amazingly by uh, 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 why do I even forget her name? Uh, Vera, uh, Vera Famiga, who, of course, you know from Conjuring Bates Motel up in there, and The thing I really appreciate about their friendship is that as you're watching the show, you're kind of like, all right, there's a shoe here that hasn't dropped yet. And you're pretty sure where the shoe is going to come from (laughs) and how it's going to drop. But as I've said on the podcast many times, it's not always about the actual plot plot point. It's about the destination to get there. And Kate is what you would expect any mid Early 20s year old to be, there's this point where Eleanor flat out says, you know, that, you know, you're a kid. I understand that you think you're, you know, you're indestructible, uh, indestructible and that there are no consequences for your actions. But fun fact, both those things aren't true. And I kind of love that, honestly. I appreciate the fact that she was just kind of terrible at points to Kate. And I of course, that leads to her twists later on, but I appreciate the fact that Eleanor is trying to do the single mom thing. Uh, she's also trying to get laid because she, <laughs> she ends up uh, hooking up uh, with uh, Tony Dalton's uh, Jack, and... You of course know him from Better Call Saul, most likely, and I will say Tony Dalton got first off the mustache, fucking beautiful. Oh my god, I have not seen him with a mustache, but goddamn, it is pretty, and I I I loved his character. I, I think the character is underutilized, but I did appreciate what he brought to the character even though the script at points does him no favors. Um, Just a very natural, charismatic dude and I hope we do get to see more of him. But a couple things that this show does really well and one of the first things the show does really well and something that throughout Phase 4 has been a big thing whether we're talking about uh, No Way Home whether we're talking about WandaVision Falcon and the Winter Soldier I love how the MCU post endgame is addressing ptsd when you look at sam wilson uh sam wilson and bucky being blipped out of existence and then coming back you know being a black man trying to to handle the mantle of captain america bucky dealing with you know his past sins and you know he him talking about the fact that he recognizes and remembers every face of every person that he killed um to the fact that Kate being a kid back in 2012 I think she they say she's 7 or 8 and she witnesses her dad uh killed in front of her because 2012 that's the battle of New York and you just kind of go damn she had to like she had to deal with this shit as a kid and it's really quite heartbreaking and I love the way that they completely explain her idolization of Hawkeye is just in that one scene because he's one of the people you know who's he's the one who saved her and her mom and it's it's such a beautifully tragic moment that you just go huh okay and that leads to Kate deciding that she never wanted to feel helpless again so she starts taking martial arts she starts taking archery and you go okay this is I, I, I really like this it is heavily heavily, heavily <laughs> based on uh, Asia, uh, on uh, I can't remember if it says Asia or Asia but it's heavily based on their Hawkeye run from 2012 to 2015, right down to the artwork in the uh, in the credit scenes, which I thought was a very nice touch, so if you enjoyed the show, highly recommend you go read the run, it's kind of fucking amazing, but I love the way it goes ahead and sets up the PTSD, and Clint Let's be clear, Clint was willing to sacrifice himself to go ahead and save the world and get the Soul Stone, and I appreciate the fact that he hasn't really had a chance to actually deal with Natasha's death, because as the whole PTSD thing has taught us here in Phase 4 is, you know, when you're a hero, when the hell do you have that time to even decompress and try to get over what you've gone through? and Watching Clint out with the, uh, out with his family in the first episode, where they're watching uh, Rogers the musical. Which can we just talk real quick about the fact that I didn't know I needed a Steve Rogers musical in my life, and I know a lot of people were pissed off about you know us not getting a post credit scene that teases where we're going. I love this musical. <laughs> like I thought this musical was excellent and the more I was sitting there watching it after the the post credits I really was thinking damn I could I could use more of that honestly I could really use more of this and I was I was bummed I was actually bummed I was like oh I could have I could have used more of that but that's okay but I love the fact that much like uh, the comic run that I mentioned it does it really quickly. Just talks about how Clint is losing his uh, hearing. So he's needing to use a hearing aid. And I can't remember if it's, uh, I think it's someone randomly is talking to him who goes like, oh, why do you need that? And, you know, it flashes back to, you know, Age of Ultron and Avengers and uh, Endgame where, you know, all these explosions are going off around him. Like these loud ass, you know, buildings falling, aliens shooting at him. At him. And you kind of go... Yeah, this would just kind of be collateral damage, you know, very uh, Sound of Metal uh, style in that sense of, you know, you keep doing this shit over and over and you're around that intense of loud noise, you know, eventually something might just fucking, you know, might just break. And, you know, again, simple way to go ahead and get to why he's using a a hearing aid, but it was something I appreciate they they address and that he's not just, you know, doesn't just have it. But long story short, Kate goes ahead and gets in possession of the Ronin costume. It's being sold at a black uh, black market auction. She goes ahead and beats some guys up in the Ronin costume. Uh, she's captured on the news by the tracksuit mafia, going ahead and showing footage of the Ronin, I believe on the newscast. They say it's been like five years, uh, which would make sense because blip. And go figure, now that puts Clint, back in the game because oh crap if anyone knows who Ronan is which you know someone might then they could come after my family and i so Clint goes ahead to hunt kate down so that they can go ahead and put this all behind them and figure out what's going on so it's a very simple setup and most of episode one eh, maybe even partially in episode two i would say is all set up maybe more so than any of the other MCU shows, I would say the pacing on this uh, on this series is probably, ooh, let me think, because if I'm saying Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, Hawkeye, and then WandaVision, I would say this is the third best pacing. Uh, I like the pacing in Loki better, admittedly it kind of having the mystery aura, Slash being Marvel Doctor Who does kind of help it digest a little better. I was just invested in Falcon Winter Soldier from Jump because I just love the, the spy elements and the political thriller aspect it, that that uh, that the MCU brings. Hawkeye is just a little slow because we're setting we're reestablishing Clint, we're setting up Kate, we're setting up uh, a new character who's going ahead and getting their own show in a in a. Uh, Alakwa Cox's uh, Echo. Who? Let me just gush about her real quick. This is her first major role. Apparently, this is her first role, like maybe period. But she's a Native American actress. She's only 24, and goddamn, the sky's the limit for her. She is awesome, and there is a physicality that Echo brings. To this show, all of the fight stuff that she's getting to do—I um, think I have the timestamp here: uh, 44 minutes and 42 seconds into episode two. Pause it at that moment. It is one of my favorite shots in the entire uh, Disney Plus TV shows that we've gotten because it's just a shot of her with her hand on one of the speakers and just letting the sound play because, you know, she's deaf, and so. The room is covered in red. It, it, it's almost almost Black Widow uh, red room looking, but it's just her letting the, the light of the room engulf her while she's hearing the rhythm of the music. And it's just, it is a pristine, maybe my favorite shot in the whole show, honestly. I absolutely love that fucking shot. It is fucking beautiful. And we already know that she's getting her own show, uh, thank God. And hell yeah, I cannot wait to see what she does. But as far as her in this show, she is what Mackenzie Davis was in Terminator Dark Fate, but done even better. She has this very natural charisma, even though she is signing the whole time and not speaking, uh, which they give you subtitles for. But I love the way that she signs like it's just it looks it's it's soft. It's almost, I want to say soft, but it's gentler in the more emotional moments at points. But when she's angry, the signing is very aggressive, a very subtle thing, but I, I love it. And she sells so much of the character just through her facial expressions. There's a fight between her and Ronan. Uh, Clint puts the, the Ronan suit back on in episode five. And they have this fight in this, uh, in this uh, car yard, that it's very reminiscent of Daredevil in the way that it's shot, in the way that it's framed, um, and how Ronin's kind of jumping in and out of the darkness. And that fight scene was so fucking badass. But she has this vendetta against Ronan, Clint, because uh, Clint went ahead and well, Ronan went ahead and killed her father. So she's just tunnel vision, focus, like let me fuck. I'm going to fuck this dude up and kill him. And I love how vengeful she is. And that's kind of just an overall theme of the show is how vengeance at the end of the day uh, doesn't uh, satisfy. I mean, I guess it could not in this show (laughs) here. It does not. But her, her tunnel vision, as far as wine, fuck Clint shit up. It's almost, it's actually kind of admirable. to be honest in how focused she is, but I absolutely loved her character. There's a scene, uh, because she has a lot of scenes with uh, Fra Fee's uh, Kazi, who's like her second command. And you know him from the latest Cinderella film, which wasn't good. But, you know, they can't all be winners. Uh, He was in Les Mis uh, back in 2012, which was obviously good. But him and her, they have really good chemistry back and forth. Uh, I wish I could have gotten a little more of it. um, But for the story, it does what it needs to. Um, The last scene that they have together in the uh, season finale... Uh, it's, it's, it's a heartbreaker. You just because she is so about like, look, I need to get out of this life and what I'm doing, but I don't want to do it without you. And Kazi is just kind of like, yeah, fuck you. Um, I don't get to be like you. And it, it's really quite tragic. And the way that they go ahead and flesh in uh, these, uh, these flashbacks for her, I want to say it's episode three where the episode opens up and she's in school as a kid and you just see that she can't hear her teacher and just how that bell goes off and the conversation she has with her dad about, you know, I thought we, I was gonna be able to go uh, to, the, uh, you know, to the deaf school and be able to fit in with kids my age and this is one of my favorite lines in the whole show her dad flout says that it's impossible for you to fit in with kids your age, you're one of a kind and I just went God damn, like it's so simple, but it just it it was something that really warmed my heart and just made me go, yeah, I I I feel bad for this character. Um my biggest complaint, I will say, before I get into kind of the back half of stuff I really fucking love and where I think stuff is going. Uh, the tracksuit mafia. The big issue with them is that they're basically putties from Power Rangers. Like they are they are in no way a threat to Clint and uh to, to, to Clint and Kate. And so because of that, there's this point where you go, all right, there's something clearly big that you're holding off on uh for this back half of the show. And of course, that big thing is motherfucking Vincent D'Onofrio back in the saddle of Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin, which he he's name-dropped as Kingpin in here, uh, which makes me think the Netflix shows could be canon, but we'll get into that in a second. So let's just talk about D'Onofrio real quick. So Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, 62 years old, which is shocking to me. He does not look 62, but D'Onofrio... He's kind of a G in this. And my biggest one of my biggest gripes with with the show is that because a tracksuit mafia is a tracksuit mafia, you know something big has to be in this back half. But I do wish they would have brought D'Nafrio's Fisk in maybe episode four. And you could just sprinkle him in. Like I don't even need him to be, you know, I don't need him to be a big part in each episode, but because you introduce him at the very end of episode five through a photograph, and then we only get him in episode six, I think having him interacting specifically with the tracksuit mafia and, you know, kind of being like motherfuckers, you need to, you know, nip dish, this Kate, you know, Clint shit in the bud. I think if we have, even two or like I would just even say two scenes in episode four, two scenes in episode five. Even if we get that, that's something. And I think that makes the tracksuit mafia feel more like a threat independent of the of the finale. Because when you get to the finale and Kingpin is in the game, you're like, oh, they're working for him. They feel more like a threat. But you can establish that earlier on, and I think the back half of the show is stronger because of that. So I was like, eh, "Ah, show, damn!" Like I, I wanted more of that. So again, just a peeve of mine. With that said, I think the reason you don't do that to an extent, and I'm not letting them completely off the hook. Is because we get uh, we get uh, Elena back in the fold, of course, played by Florence Pugh. Which happy per- uh, birthday, Florence Pugh, uh, you fucking badass! You of course know her from Midsummer, uh, Little Women, uh, the 2019 version. Which if you haven't seen it, you should. It's great, and yeah, and uh, fighting with my family, where she played uh, WWE superstar Paige or former WWE Superstar page, I don't think she's signed there anymore. Uh, Florence P is a G, and A, that Russian accent, I thought it was really good to great in Black Widow. She pretty much has it down here. Like There's this way where she even goes, Kate Bishop, and I'm not even going to try to match the octave, but when she, the Russian, it never feels like it slips. She doesn't have a Civil War moment, uh, Elizabeth Olsen style. Like She's she's keeping up the accent the whole time. And what I love about this, and this is admittedly, I think, a bit of a plot hole. We find out in the show that uh, Eleanor went ahead and hired Yelena to kill Clint. At the end of Black Widow, we see Julie Louis-Dreyfus's Val be the one to go, Hey, this is who killed your sister. So was... Was um, was uh, oh my gosh was Eleanor reaching out to Val to tell her that or is that just a like a plot hole like that will just never connect again not a huge deal but it was something I kind of went wait but if you told me this then what eh okay so so a little clarification on that would be nice but I do but. What I love about Yelena being back in the fold is that Clint tells this story about how when he was working for Shield and uh, Natasha was going ahead and working for you know bad people that he was ordered to go ahead and take her down and kill her, and he talks about how that's like the one shot he never took and how it's something that he's so grateful that he didn't do because you know he gained this whole incredible friendship with uh, Natasha and everything. And they both end up working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that because he didn't kill her. And there's this great fight scene between uh, Echo, Yelena, Clint, and Kate. Um, Yelena flat out rocking her uh, goggles look from the comic, which I just went, oh, it's so cool that they, they, that they let her be, you know, female Stan Fisher for a bit. Like, it, it's so reminiscent of Splinter Cell, but I loved he took that from the comic. I was so happy that I was in here. Um, but uh, Kate has a chance technically to at least shoot uh, Yelena. Now, Yelena's a black widow. I'm sure she would have done, you know, some backflip or shit to avoid the shot. But the fact that Kate doesn't shoot, take that shot, it's exactly what Clint didn't do. We're gonna get... Yelena and Kate working together at some point. That could be the female version of uh, Bucky and Sam. Just this total wonderful kind of you know, 80's buddy action cop movie because the bits we get of Yelena and Kate working together or just talking are some of my favorite scenes in the entire show. There's this scene where after that fight on the roof I want to say it's episode, I think it's episode 4 maybe? Maybe it's a, No, it's opening of episode five, maybe. I can't remember. Four or five. I think it's five, but episode opens up, up with Kate and Yelena having this conversation over boxed macaroni and cheese, which Yelena had made waiting for Kate to come back to her apartment that got almost burned down. I love that conversation. It goes a little long, but it's them being very matter of fact, with each other, and, you know, you end up being like, hey, you know, it's my first time in New York, I want to see, you know, I want to see Rudolph, and, you know, like, oh, American Christmas is so cool, and they have this whole conversation about Clint, and it gets very real, and you're sitting there like, okay, this is about as pleasant as you could be with threatening someone, <laughs> because make no, make no mistake about it, that's exactly what uh uh that's exactly what um they end up doing. Yelena flat out tells her, like, hey, like, don't get in my way again, bitch. Like, <laughs> it's one of those things you go, Alright, yeah. I mean, she's giving you fair warning, but there's such a charm to Florence Pugh's Elena in this. Um, very similar to Black Widow, but I think it's she's even better in this than she is in Black Widow. And I loved her in Black Widow. But But there's this point where they even talk about eating reindeer, and Kate kind of retorts, you know, oh, I haven't had the pleasure of eating reindeer, and without missing a beat, Yolanda goes, oh, trust me, it's no pleasure, and it's like, it's little things like that, I went, I can't wait until these two are friends, like, like I'm already anticipating when they go ahead and end up working together, because obviously they will, which, again, I'm hyped, give me that, but... Uh And then they end up having a pretty badass fight uh in the seri- in the in the finale, where uh Kate gets the shit kicked out of her, almost like she was getting kicked into that pit from Three Hundred. But she retorts back and responds by giving this really cool body throw that even Yelena goes, "But you got me with that body throw." And they go, and she's like, "That was good. It, it's 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 so." wonderfully, weirdly charming. It it made me really happy to see uh, Florence Pugh and Haley Steinfeld, because the moment I I heard Haley Steinfeld was going to play Kate Bishop, I went, oh, that's a fucking lock. That's a brilliant piece of casting. And Florence Pugh, already one of the best actresses we have. So seeing two actresses, I believe 30 years from now will still be in the game, making Incredible movies, film, uh, music because I think they both sing. Uh, I'm just I'm excited that we're in this moment that we get to see them continue to evolve as characters. I, I'm really happy about that. But independent of that, uh, let me think of what else. The uh, the fight scenes overall dug them. Really enjoy them. There's a car chase scene in episode three, and one of the things that's always And and I brought this up in Loki. One thing that I do love about the MCU is that these characters are continuing to evolve and not just be stagnant. And at this point, even with you know ten years uh, or almost ten years of uh, Clint Barton in the MCU. One thing that I love is that we're still getting to learn more about him. Not just the whole PTSD aspect, but we get to see him be more of a dad in this movie. And uh, shout out to my man, uh, Bradley, uh, uh, up in Canada. Uh, One of the things he's always giving me shit for is, oh my God, Hunter, we don't know anything about Hawkeye's family. And we get to see his family more in action. And seeing Clint just be a dad really does endear you more to him, and it just makes me really happy. And, and it was really cool to see the family aspect uh, played up um, played up here more uh, in this show. Uh, I haven't mentioned her yet, but uh, Linda Cardellini uh, just my god, I I just love her. She plays of course Laura Barton, and I'll get to something about her character here in just a second, but. One thing I love about the relationship, and most of it's done over phone call because Clint sends his kids, you know, away from him which I love the fact he did that because that was something about the tax collector, which sucks, by the way, but that was something about the tax collector that drove me nuts, is the moment the main character was in danger, he doesn't send his family away. Clint does that shit like the next scene. He's like, oh shit, Ronan's on TV. All right, kids, off the- <laughs> back to the farm you go. But I went, good, a hero that's not being fucking stupid. Thank you, show, for actually addressing this. But what I love about Clint and... Laura as a as partners in this show is that we get to see Laura like speaking different languages and kind of knowing protocol in a way that I went, that's interesting. Like, yeah, you would pick up stuff, obviously, if you're married to a spy or you know, for you know, former SHIELD agent, but I was sitting there going, That's very interesting. Why she, she seems very confident in everything she's saying. That's that's odd. And one of the big, probably the biggest thing I would say for me that I got in the finale is that uh, she worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. At, at worst, she works for S.H.I.E.L.D. At best, she's Jay. or Mockingbird, pardon me. And that's going to be something that I'm really curious if they follow up on that, because the big distinction, at least in the comics, is that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bobby Morris, uh, Bobby Mockingbird Morris, is the one who's agent 19 in the comics, uh, primarily. They could even go, if they wanted to, though, and go, hey, Mockingbird's kind of like, <coughs> pardon me, Mockingbird's kind of like a mantle, kind of like, you know, 007, you know, it's just something that we've used. So they could do that. But I don't recall. I don't recall in the comics, um, or not in the comics. I don't recall in Agents of Shield them ever ever addressing uh, Bobby as Mockingbird in the show. I think they just call her Bobby the whole time. So that could be their workaround. They could create their whole, you know, their own version of uh, Mockingbird if they wanted to, and say. That it used to be uh you know, Mrs. Barton. Which if they do that, right the fuck on. If they want to go ahead and kind of explore it that way, if I can get some some flashbacks of yeah, you know, of Linda Carlini uh working of Shield, yeah, give me that, please. I'd be very happy with that. So th- that was something I went that's It feels like they're going to go somewhere with that, especially with the Secret Wars around the corner, uh, which I think is filming now, actually. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe she's already there. But um, uh, I'm going to go kind of rapid fire here as I get to my final thoughts. Um, There's this scene of Clint and Kate bonding over uh, Christmas sweaters and and, uh, frozen margaritas and Christmas movies, which I thought was so fucking cute. I love that scene because... That's where Clint kind of starts to get real with himself and realize that man, I've I've gone through a lot of shit that I just have not addressed and and tried to get over, and this show really is about Clint moving on and finding that that peace or the you know whatever the closest you know thing is you know to peace for him. Uh, I I love that. I love that so, so much, and it was one of those things that I just went, you know, I know some people might just kind of go, like, yeah, whatever, this is lame, but because of how much it's leaning into the Christmas stuff, and it it leans heavily into the Christmas shit, uh, I love that, like, I actually love the fact that that scene's in there, and it just made me go, like, yep, this is just another reason for me to dig this show, um, Throwing out other stuff, I love that the very clear Amazing Spider-Man family business reference for uh, Fisk uh, for Kingpin's costume—the Hawaiian shirt with the with the white suit—I fucking love that. It looks so great on screen, and with all the Christmas colors and everything, it just it looks wonderful. Um, I love how we got Kate's comic-accurate, comic, uh, comic accurate, extremely comic-accurate uh, costume. That's already been introduced. I'm curious how they'll evolve, evolve, uh, evolve, evolve good grief, the costumes. Really excited to see those. Uh, how that uh, changes up. That's going to be so much fun to watch. I'm, uh, I'm so excited. Uh, I mentioned him earlier, but uh, Tony Dalton's Jack, I love the fact that he's a swordsman because that's such a niche reference uh, (laughs) to his actual character in the comic who is a swordsman. I I love that. He doesn't get the costume yet. I hope he gets the costume. But I'm really excited to see that if they go ahead and follow follow up with that. But that was something that made me genuinely happy. Um, Independent of that, And I know some people are freaking out about this. There is, of course, this scene near the end of the episode uh, to wrap everything up where Echo has uh, Kingpin at gunpoint and we hear a gun go off. So gunshot, gunshot happens. But let's be clear. For as much as people have been wanting Fisk, uh, the Kingpin introduced into the MCU proper, myself included, uh... You can go back to my in-game review. I actually called the fact I think that that Fisk was going to be introduced as a villain to go against Hawkeye. So you can go back and listen to that. I called this shit a couple years ago. Boom! Uh, (laughs) But uh, the big thing, though, there's no way Fisk is dead. There's no goddamn way they would bring D'Anafrio back just for one episode and then kill him off. That would be beyond stupid and if for some reason that is what marvel does i will come right back on here and talk about how fucking dumb marvel was for that dumbass decision but trust me there's an echo show coming up here soon fisk ain't going anywhere fisk uh, in the comics he gets blinded and then is gets his sight back because surgery in comics uh he's not He's not going anywhere. We'll see him in the Echo show. If I am to venture a guess, because, fun fact, that shot, uh, pun intended, uh, that last shot, it's reminiscent of a shot in uh, Daredevil comic, which is actually where uh, Echo shooting Fisk happens. So, I think that's a clear indication. I mean, I don't think it's much of a leap to say that uh, if you haven't seen No Way Home, sorry, but charlie cox's matt murdoch we know is in the mcu now so we'll see him if even if we don't see him suit up as matt murdoch uh or as daredevil we're gonna see him and fisk in the echo show i would bet money and yet another reason to be excited for echo show but as i wrap up here guys um i've laid out some of my complaints i've laid out some stuff i really enjoy oh that was one other complaint i had in the finale where Clint goes ahead and is fighting uh, Yelena and I was actually surprised because I know that obviously Yelena was out to kill Clint but I was not expecting to get a Kate Bishop uh, kingpin fight which I didn't know I needed but it shows how clever a, a. Kate is and one of the things that the show has done that really? They haven't addressed until now, which I was kind of like, think I'm like I'm happy you addressed this. Clint has always been more than an archer; like he's always had just incredible precision in general, and can use other things outside of arrows to go ahead and be precise. So there's this point where he flicks a coin and is able to turn a TV on, and I went, I'm so happy they're addressing that because again, much like Loki and you know his magic, I went. You're not talking about this yet. Oh, you brought up in the show. Okay, someone probably complained enough. So, I was really happy that they brought that up. Um, I'm excited to see how Kate begins to use that precision and how Clint gets to use it. But the fact that Kate uses a cufflink, a fist's own cufflink, to go ahead and beat him, I thought was such a beautiful, just Mwah, beautiful chef's kiss. But... Uh, getting getting the final thoughts everyone, this is just a great show Um, it is slow for the first half, I always say I want something to finish stronger than you know, if I'd rather have something finish strong than you know be great for three episodes and fall apart in the back half, but so much of the villain aspect hinges on the fisk twist which you don't get to the penultimate episode which in my opinion does hurt the show it's great once fisk is introduced but that is something I go eh. and then the other complaint that I was about to bring up when Kate uh, not Kate when Clint and uh, Yelena are having this big their final fight and is about to shoot him <laughs> uh, he does Nat's whistle that they used to do to each other uh, in Black Widow, which they reference. And Yelena, like, stops and freezes, because, of course, you know, that was their whistle. And she's like, you know, how do you know that? And Clint goes, like, Nat's whistle, or Nat's secret whistle, or something like that. I just went, come on. Like, Like, we're over 10 years into the MCU. Trust your audience to just remember that. But, or at least put it together from what Yelena said in the line prior. Like, it's not a huge deal, but it was enough to take me out of the moment for out of the show for like a, a second. Um, it's by no means because I've seen some people go, "Oh, it's it's worse than Martha and BVS." It's not even fucking close to that bad. So don't don't put that on the show. But it was just it was just enough to make me go like, "Eh, all right." Again, nitpick, but bothered me. But outside of that, y'all, this is so worth your time. It's six episodes, and yeah, I look forward to rewatching this next Christmas because it takes place during Christmas. It's a Christmas show. Fuck y'all. Um, I'm gonna give this a B plus. Um, I think that is my lowest rating. Yeah, that's my lowest rate. You know what's weird? I-, I can't remember if I gave Wandavision a B plus from A minus. I remember I was on that cuff. Um, just in case, uh, uh, I'm going to change this just in case I said the wrong score, I would give WandaVision a B plus. I'd give this an A-, because I did enjoy this more than I enjoyed WandaVision, and I really enjoyed where this leaves off. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, this is well worth your time, really enjoyed it. So, for me, my MCU show ranking right now would be Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, Hawkeye, and then WandaVision. And I haven't finished What If yet, so I will I will have to go back to that. But yeah, solid A minus for this. But uh, Hawkeye, everyone, what did you think of it? Let us know in the comments. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter at jhunterrealpineapple. You can follow Scott on Twitter at 1st Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, including SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, to name a few, at the Real Pineapple, Don't forget to like both of our pages on Facebook at TheRealPineapple and Games. And don't forget to follow us on Twitch. I'm going to be hopping on there. I don't know when, but I will be. You can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash J Hunter Real Pineapple. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everyone. We will have reviews up here soon for the Matrix, uh, Matrix Revolutions. Uh, Resurrections, pardon me, as well as for The Lost Daughter, which uh, I'm actually prepping uh, that review here uh, tomorrow. I'm really excited to review that, as well as a review for Drive My Car, uh, which I'm really excited to get to that to to that one. Uh, and there's some other stuff coming up too. Oh, yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Gonna review up for that. Uh yeah, we've got a lot of stuff coming on the pipelines, but new year, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna have a lot coming at you all soon. So thank you so much again, everyone, for your support. I love y'all very, very much. Please get your COVID shot if you haven't, if you're safe to take care of each other, wear your masks, give each other a hug be safe about it. But thanks again for all your support, everyone. And we'll talk to you soon.